And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Nancy Lake, who was previously on the podcast talking about her near-death experience. Today, she returns to talk about her alien abductions. Nancy, thanks for joining me and welcome back. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's nice to be here again. I guess we should start on the day of your abduction and go from there. You know, it was something that happened. Um, I started having flashback memories. And um, I realized I'd been abducted more than once. And um, some of the first abduction memories I have, um, well, let me start. Let me start with Bud, Bud Hopkins. He was a UFO researcher. And a, I think it was 1981, I was reading his book called Missing Time. And some of the things he was talking about people that had been abducted that um, the aliens tend to um, erase our memories somehow, or they have screen memories. So it's not always real obvious that you've been abducted, but people will have some signs like um, missing time. You know, they were looking, they went to bed at 11 and, and they had to get up at some other time. And then there were like two or three hours missing for them the next time they looked at the clock. Um, so I, I started having some, some experiences, some flashbacks where I realized that I had been missing time. And I'd also, uh, something else I hadn't thought about was as a teenager, and this started, I, my first memories, I guess, go back to my early teens. Um, I had sleep paralysis. Like I would wake up and I couldn't move. I just couldn't move. I mean, I might be able to move my eyes a little bit, but it was, it was very hard to move or see or experience anything. And it was very scary. Um, so between the sleep paralysis and the missing time, I decided that I had to have some experiences. So um, I started having memories of being given babies. There's probably about six babies, uh, but just I, I was handed babies and I would bond with them. And then it was very emotional. I remember them taking the babies back from me. They would re they would take they would remove the baby, and I'd say, "Well, can I keep the baby?" And they said, "No, you won't be able to take care of this baby." Um, so the babies were being fostered elsewhere. And then I remember having progressive visitation. Like I remember visiting two of these children, um, two little girls, um, they were very fragile looking. They had very wispy white hair um, and they were dressed in kind of looked like used clothing It mismatched. It looked like somebody had gone to a thrift store and bought them a bunch of clothes. But um, 
I had the feeling there was some sort of a um, foster situation for these children and they were just, you know, they, they weren't groomed quite the way a parent would groom them. <laughs> so, but I remember spending time with them. One little, I was pushing one little girl in a stroller and she just loved it. And I remember all of our communication being um, telepathic. I don't think we said two words to each other, but it was a lot of, there was a lot of exchange going on between me and these children. The most profound child memory for me was being handed a mulatto little boy. He was a racial mixture and he was beautiful. He had a beautiful smile. As a baby, he smiled with me and he connected and um, he was just perfect. I mean, he was, you know, phenomenal and I, really did mind letting go of this one. So, okay, so then it brings up the question, well, how did this happen? And I can remember being on abducted onto, um, was I in a spaceship? That's the good question. I was in a clinic. I can remember being in clinics. And I can remember being told things, like they would tell me things like, they said, you're pregnant. And, and I was thinking, no, I'm not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's no way at the time, you know, at that time in my life, I was single and there did not have a boyfriend. So I said, but all of a sudden, it's kind of like telepathic communication. All of a sudden, I accepted that I was a little bit pregnant. And um, I said, okay, well, if I'm pregnant, then who is the father? Because I said, this doesn't make any sense. And they pulled back a kind of like a waiting room. There was a little cubicle with a curtain. They pulled back the curtain and there was a guy, a black guy um, sitting there. And they said, well, this is the father and, but it isn't just like a mother and father. They said um, that the paternity of, of children, a lot of times is you're considered a parent if the child bears 20% or more of your genetic material. So it isn't just 50-50, like it's a mother and a father. Um, so they are as hybrid, as human hybrids, um, they are more than more than just human parents. I don't know exactly. Um, so anyway, I said, you know, I was upset about this. I said, I don't know him from Adam. I don't know this guy. And it, it everything in me sort of um, was on edge about what they were saying to me. And I said, you know, they, I said, I feel like you have used me like a barnyard animal, you know, and I was really upset. Everything about my sense of justice was, was upside down at that moment. And so I wrote an essay about my hybrid experiences and it is a hybrid program that our government knew about. Um, 
they knew they exchanged um, the grays mainly. Uh, the grays were the ones that were having reproductive problems and they were not able to, um, there were a lot of problems. Like, I guess it was some sort of, from the research I've done, it, it was some sort of AI transhumanism thing that took place a long time ago for them. And so they would just kind of transfer the, their whole consciousness into an avatar. They kept just sort of creating avatars and transferring intelligence to them and their personalities. And over time, it, that started to break down and not be um, ideal for them. So they were trying to create hybrid human alien children that could receive their, their particular intelligence and personality and they could function that way and they could e extend their species that way. And so I guess it, this goes back to, there's segues here that I just, I don't know if I'm ready to go into soul contracts and karma, but um, apparently everybody involved in this hybrid program had consented on some level. You know, you may not remember saying yes, but you know, you you agreed to it for some reason. Do you have any questions, Jeff? Because there's so many ways. I there's such history here that I could go one way or another. But um, I think I have a lot of questions. So okay, go ahead. Let's start with this. Do you think your eggs were being harvested? or just your DNA? My eggs were being harvested. And I know because I woke up in a very dimly lit clinic and I was in pain. And there were rows and rows of cots or beds around me where women were also in pain. I was not the only one there at the time. So they had quite a little production going on of um, harvesting eggs and collecting semen and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of people were very traumatized by it because as much as the memories were tried, they tried to subdue memories or erase them, little bits and pieces of memories start coming to the surface for a lot of people. And they know they've been through something, you know, do you believe that you were abducted during your sleep and they were abducting your entire physical body and then you would wake up in these clinics and then they would put you back to sleep and you'd wake up back in your bed? I think that's what happened. And like I said, I think the sleep paralysis was part of it. I don't remember actually seeing little beings in my room, you know, carrying me or something, but like some people do. But um, I do remember not being able to see very much of anything. I couldn't turn my head and just, and the next thing I knew, you know, missing time had happened or I was back in again. Yeah. And, I, and I did sometimes feel like I had gone through some sort of medical um, procedure. Sometimes there was a little bit of pain for me. 
my reproductive history um, has been abnormal anyway. So I don't, I never really thought about it. But now that I look back at all the things that were going on, um, I can see why, you know, I, can, I think I have another explanation. So. Did any of your hybrid children have any alien physical traits to them? Some, yes. Like the little girls, the little girls that I visited, because time would progress and I would visit these kids as they age progressed or grew up. And um, the little girls were very thin. Um, I want to say it's kind of spindly, like not quite like normal human proportions. And um, their eyes were large. And they, you know, they would do a lot of the talking with their eyes. You know, so they had these large eyes that would just tell a story, so to speak. Um, and I somehow knew that they could read me pretty well, um, that it was helping them to know who I was and where they came from. I guess it's a lot like kids that are adopted, you know, where um, they go to these families and they wanna know where they came from. There's just such a curiosity, right? Are you aware that possibly you were ever in some type of underground alien base? I'm not sure about that. I know that I believe one experience I had is running past. I think I was trying to get out of it, getting get away from the clinic. And there's just a very short little memory of me running past some scientists and they were working with pine trees. I was in a forest and they were, they were, they had um, little containers of pine trees and flora and fauna and that sort of thing. And they looked very human. That was interesting about that. Um, I had another experience where I was talking, I think to, not a reptoid, but a um, praying mantis type being. Um, and it was hard to tell. You'd say, well, you wouldn't, you know, but, but she had some sort of pillbox hat on and a mask and a white coat. And I just noticed when she was walking away from me, the way she walked, she had a big hump where, you know, her back was. And the way she was walking, I thought, wait a minute, she's not human. <laughs> she can't be human. <laughs> yeah, there was some really strange little memories. Um, I think my mind tried to normalize everything. And I think, you know, um, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to think these things are happening to you in reality. And so you just try to normalize everything. Um, I also remember, and this, this has come up, I thought I was the only one that experienced this, that I was on an examination table that looked like an ironing board. You know, it's, it's, it was 
that, you know, that small sort of like a half a table kind of thing that looked like an ironing board. And I remember being outside once again, I was in nature and um, um, I was in South America. I, and how I knew that, I don't know. But I, I know maybe I asked questions and I must have asked questions telepathically <laughs> sometimes. So, um, so this ironing board examination thing has come up for other people. When I listen to other people's stories about uh, being abducted during the high growth program, that that particular that particular thing, uh, examination thing comes up. Um, I remember Bud Hopkins, as I was saying, and Edgar Casey talking about our evolution as human beings. And I guess for the past 500,000 years, um, aliens have been interacting with us. We've had many upgrades, you know, um, genetic splices, things like that. Um, I remember there's two sources that I remember reading um, things that Edgar Casey said about our development that we did start out as an anthropoid ape. So, you know, there's people can disagree. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, uh, um, freak anybody out, but, you know, I know he has said that and then Lloyd Pye, and that's. L-L-O-Y-D-P-Y-E. Lloyd Pye was a researcher, anthropologist, scientist. Um, he was working with a skull called Star Child. That was his kind of name, claim to fame. And uh, he has some very interesting um, videos on YouTube that are still around. He died. Of course, Edgar Casey died. But um, I've just been a researcher and I, I'm sort of taking sort of the buffet style. I'll, I'll read something and it will hit me like, okay, I agree with that. That's true. That resonates with me. And, and I can put that into my worldview and say, yeah, that fits what I know. And so it doesn't mean these people are right or wrong. It's just some things they have said do, um, you know, do match with my personality and my experiences. Um, so yeah, the grays have been problematic. They think they're trying to help us in some ways in exchange for the hybrid humans that they're developing. And they always seem, if anyone's ever been abducted, uh, the grays always seem very busy. They seem overworked and underpaid and you know, they're very serious. They don't, they don't seem to have the spectrum of emotions that we do. Um, sometimes they, they'll be humorous. I can remember they'll be humorous a little bit in a little, little ways. So are you saying that you actually had, you actually have memories of contact with the grays? Yes. Yes. And, um, I think they did a good job of wiping things out, but, but they were there. They were definitely in the background. They were around. Well, how much longer after you're at 
contact with them, did you retrieve those memories? It was many years later. Um, I, I really, <clears throat> it was an evolution. I started feeling um, more, more grounded and more safe, emotionally safe. Um, my childhood was really dysfunctional. <laughs> so as I, you know, I had to, I, I realized that my friends, a lot of my friends had families that were more stable than mine. And I used to spend weekends with them. I mean, I had my best girlfriend for a long time, for about five years, that I actually joined their church. They were Episcopalian, and I actually wanted to join their church. Um, so I feel like little by little, I was able to um, grow consciously. I mean, there, there's little what's the word? developmental, like when we watch babies grow and they hit developmental milestones, like they can walk or they can talk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, get in school and I had to repeat the first grade. I was not able to even understand what was going on. Like I wasn't following the teacher's instructions or anything. And so they thought that I was um, mentally retarded or something. I don't know what you would call it. Um, I had some kind of learning disability. And then um, in the third grade, I had a teacher that just really loved me. And um, she really spent some the needed time. You know, she would spend a little extra time with me. And I started doing very, very well. In fact, I started making straight A's and, and wanting more. You know, I wanted to, what's the next challenge? Okay, let's go forward. So it was great. And then when I got into to grad school, um, I'd always thought that I was the dumb one in the family. I mean, that was the label I got, like, oh, Nancy, she's not all there. And, and as, a, you know, as an adult, I took this test called Shipley standardized intelligence test or something. And the test only measures to 144 IQ. And I went beyond, I was, I went beyond that. So I don't know, I don't really, I haven't had a better test, but it was enough to tell me that um, how traumatic my childhood was and how gripped up at times because, just because, there are things that I did not remember until later, but later on in my life, I started putting all the pieces together and it was like a flood. It was like a flood of information. Um, I started remembering uh, that there was a, an alien that would stand at the foot of my bed every night. I called him the light bulb man because it's like he had on a dark cape but his, his head was glowing, sort of bigger, bigger than human head. Um, and he looked like a light bulb and he would stand there. And the minute I would see him, I would start to fall asleep. I would just, you know, that was, I would zone out at that point and fall asleep. Is there a pivotal moment when your memories came back that changed your thinking from doubt to knowing that this is real? And if so, what is that? 
Yeah, well, when I read Bud Hopkins' book called Witnessed, I don't know if anybody's familiar with, he wrote several bestsellers, but it was called Witnessed. And um, the book's very long, but to kind of get it down, you know, just to encapsulate the book, um, there was a couple that came together during the book and realized that they had known each other all their lives. And actually, the Greys have done a lot of um, relationship engineering. They will have couples meet as children, and and that they're they'll pair them up. You know, it's sort of like planned marriage or something. They will pair them up, and I'm sure they're pairing them up based on their genetics and their family lines because. The Greys have been following certain family lines back to primeval times. I mean, primitive cave times or something. They've been following certain groups, and um, so I met. I met someone at work. I met this guy at work. He was. I'm going to have to be very careful. He was married with children. Um, there was nothing beyond a little bit of flirting, there was nothing that really happened with that relationship. Um, there was no sexual anything um, that went on. So um, I just had a crush. I remember having a crush on him and it was really an intense crush, but you know, it was very inappropriate for, it was, it would be very inappropriate um, because it was a work relationship and it would be very inappropriate to him being married. And, you know, I mean, you know, nothing ever progressed, but I told him that I had a dream about him. Um, I believe that we were one of those engineered couples um, because of some flashbacks. You know, once I knew him, I was having these flashback dreams. So I think that intensified a lot of my memories. Um, and I wrote my essay. I mean, I have a blog. I'll give you some ad the address at the end. But um, um, I've written some essays about my, my hybrid alien experiences. And then recently, I had some channeling that went on. Um, I remember the aliens had artificial wombs for, a, they would remove the fetus and they would put the baby in an artificial womb. And I started, you know, there's been so much discussion on abortion from Roe, you know, Roe versus Wade or whatever it is that I thought, okay, well, I just got this idea that this could happen that they could either transfer a fetus from one, the mother, the bio mother, to another woman. Um, I was talking to an infertility specialist at one point about this. And he says, yeah, kind of, you know, there's, there's movement in that direction. So I thought, well, that would be great if 
if there's a case of unwanted pregnancy, instead of having abortions, you could just transfer the living, the live healthy fetus to another person, another mom that had been given um, hormones to make her more receptive to that, which is what they do. Um, so with in vitro fertilization and all the things they're coming across, I, I think the days are, are coming up where it won't be such a black and white debate to, you know, do you terminate a pregnancy or not and, and or abortion or adoption. And um, I wrote another essay about that because I started channeling and, and going to the future to see that things were much different, that this sort of debate and this sort of upset did not happen in the future, that people were not plagued with that decision. So um, I thought that was interesting. Now, you mentioned earlier that you felt like you agreed to being a hybrid mother and you talked about soul contracts and you've also and you are also a near-death experiencer so do you have any memories of in between lives agreeing to this not so much in between lives um the grays were telling me that i agreed at some point and and i don't remember exactly when that was, but I guess the fact that um, everybody, they were kind of giving me the scenario that everybody benefits down the road. You know, it seems, it seems very strange. And I, I think I resent the government. <laughs> I think I resent our American government for, um, you know, they've, they've, the military has played a lot of part in this of allowing certain agendas of other beings of other alien races to, to go ahead and, and not just the hybrid part, but there's other experiments that have gone on with humans. Um, and they know about it. I think one of the reasons they've squash disclosure is is just that if we really knew the full extent of the government's involvement we would we would be grabbing our pitchforks you know and running you know running with them um you know i think there'd be a lot of people upset i want to go back to something for a minute you mentioned okay. to this guy that you had a dream of him when you told him about that, what did he say? I had the feeling that it was, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> no, I think he thought I was a little bit, um, you know, nuts. Um, I said, and I said to him, I said, you're probably going to think that, but um, I, I have felt this kind of relationship with you that I cannot explain um, any other way. And I've had, I remember him, I remember meeting him in my past as a teenager, and um, I and, and so I I think in time all I can hope is that in time he'll have his own memories that would come forward. Or do you think you're I'm still? Do you think you're still having contact with the Grays? I 
get downloads. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're, of course, you know, I'm certainly not part of the hybrid program anymore. Um, I'm sure I've aged out of that, but um, I don't think I've heard from other researchers, like, you know who Corey Good is, right? Um, the word he's he was part of a 20 and back or sort of i know you've had some other guests that were part of um the secret military or secret space program or part of that where um they were age age regressed or they they go off and then they come back they're reinserted into their lifetime in the future, but nobody ever really notices they're gone because um, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how that happens, but that's what I mean about other types of experimentation. I believe one of my guests told me that they didn't notice he was gone because they inserted a clone of him here while he was gone. Oh, well, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that, but I don't, I, you know, I, I don't disbelieve it. Um, but that has to do with the military. And I don't think I was ever used for any military purposes um, that I can think of. Um, I never had any of those downloads or experiences, but I know I was taken. I know I, I was caused to fall asleep like this alien would show up and stand there and I would fall asleep um so it's a it's just for me it's been a lot of little memory segments that I've knitted together to form the bigger picture of oh my gosh I was involved in all this once you understood that you have been abducted how did your life change it made sense you know it's like there are things disjointed pieces of information and and it didn't make sense parts of my life did not make sense um my own children i was talking to them one day and and i think i said something about maybe having other children and they got very upset <laughs> i thought okay i'm not going to bring that up again to my own two kids you know that have been born here the normal way um, but it did, it did start to make sense to me that, <laughs> that I had this, um, relationship with the greys and the aliens. Um, I, I think we've got to be careful. I think Corey Good, those who know him, it's, um, C-O-R-E-Y-G-O-O-D-E, I believe. Um, he has his own channel. He has his own channel, um, website. Um, but like he says, you know, um, I don't think they're still doing the hybrid program. I think they have, as far as I know, there was a lot going on with that. And I think it has phased out. You don't hear about it so much. Um, some people like Bridget, I forget her last name, Brit, I have her website. Um, some people come on and talk about her alien experiences, um, her children, hybrid children. 
Um, Melinda Leslie, UFO researcher, she's written a book. Um, she's talked about her experiences with hybrid children, her own hybrid children. Um, there, if you go to a UFO convention, like I go to contact in the desert once in a while, um, there are people that have gone to um, hypnotists, regressionists, and lived and have complete stories. There's, I would love to do that. I think there's a regressionist called, um, her name is Barbara Lamb, and she's kind of famous. Um, I would love to, to go ahead and do that because there's a lot of things that have come back naturally for me, and I've connected a lot of dots, but I still think it'd be nice to be regressed, you know? <laughs> do you have any memories and, of ships, whether from the outside or the inside? Inside. Um, I have one very fun, it was an extremely amazingly fun dream memory of sitting. It was it was um, a saucer, you know, saucer shaped disc size. Um, I think it's what they call a scout. They have different kinds of ships. I think these people were Pleiadians. Um, and I say that because I kind of connect them with Billy Meyer and some of his ships. Um, I was sitting on the floor of a spaceship and the bottom, I could see pine trees. We were like several hundred feet up and I could see the forest below me. And so the bottom of the ship was translucent, transparent, whatever you would call it, you could see through. And um, I know it was some sort of metal alloy, but you could see through it, which was very interesting. And they were sitting, so I was in the bottom and then I was allowed to steer, I think, or something like that. They said, you, okay, go ahead and try this. They wanted me to try something where I was steering the ship and I can remember leaning and pulling or thinking or whatever and the ship would respond to me um, and I loved it and we were going really really fast and I was really really excited and um, I would say I was a teenager at that time and um, so where I, I got the feeling we were going to Russia we, I know we were flying over Germany, and and I don't know how I knew that we were going to Russia, but I was excited to get there. There was some sort of a, there was an agenda for meeting other people or other people um, exchanging information or something like that. Um, so when I heard about Billy Meyer from Switzerland, um, that was another piece that fit. I thought, okay, I, I somehow know about all this. And so, um, yeah, just, <laughs> it seems like coincidence or synchronicity or something where you'll line up with somebody in their story, you know, and you think, okay, I know about that. I, without knowing him too well, I knew about it. 
Um, um, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> were you ever given any information about the Galactic Federation? I know about it. I must have. I must know about it. I mean, it's not new. That's not new. Um, there, I've heard there are different agendas for different groups. Um, I think I think I'm more in line with what Corey Good has said about we have guardians, we have space guardians, we have people that try to keep us from blowing up each other because um, different races, different groups have had conflicts. In fact, they say that asteroid belt was where a fourth or fifth planet used to be and those, those are remnants of a planet. So when we think of that kind of devastation um, I think it's good to have some law and order. And I think some of these groups are doing that, you know, trying to keep the balance between groups and um, different races. Do you have any idea when full disclosure will occur? Well, I'm when you just when you said that, I was told three or four years. Um, it's very close. I know that. And I know that they have to. I know that they have to disclose everything. I mean, it's going to put our government in, in certain awkward situations to disclose, but they absolutely have to because if they don't, then our alien, you know, our alien friends will probably just do that. Just, you know, come in and lay it all out, you know, so that disclosure happens one way or another. I mean, I would think it would be better if our government and everybody comes together and realizes it needs to happen. Do you think that there are aliens walking around on the planet today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think you would even realize they're aliens. Um, I don't know if you read um, Charles Hall's books um, about the tall white aliens in uh, that area. Why? There's Area 51, and then um, Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada is where they are. They ha they are protected by our Air Force, by our military. Um, is a group of alien beings and. Um, where was I going with that? So, <clears throat> oh, but anyway, something Charles, I'm sure I was thinking of something that Charles had said about aliens, about that particular group. Um, but each group sort of has their own agenda. Do you think you're a star seed? No. Interestingly enough, no. Um, I think I'm genetically probably significant to the aliens um, because of, you know, for some reason they're interested in Native Americans and I'm, I'm a Native American branch of the family. So, um, but I'm a mix. I'm in, you know, Native American, European mix. 
I think there's probably something genetically significant, but I do not feel like a star seed. I feel very um, connected with Earth. Have you ever seen any markings on your body that would indicate that you have an alien implant? Actually, yes. Um, and my mother embarrassed me so much about this. Um, I had, there was something behind, something implanted, I think, in my ears, via my ears, but it caused a big rash, <laughs> like a horrible rash behind both ears. And, you know, she'd taken me to a pediatrician and, and I think he gave me some sort of ointment, but I had missed a day or two of school. And so when she took me back to school, it was like second grade, I was brand new in this school. And she was explaining to the teacher what had happened to me with the rash. And um, I, I feel like everybody was staying away from me. <laughs> like like socially isolating for me because nobody knew if it was contagious or what but it, um I do I did have I did have indications sore spots things like that but there was something inside that area of my of my head and um so I know there I know there is I don't know if I've had um, an MRI of my brain or anything that would show that yet. Not yet. It hasn't, it never occurred to me to go have an MRI, <laughs> but I knew that something had happened to my ears when I was little. I guess that's the best way to explain it. Do you have any conscious memories of either seeing aliens or ships? That's fuzzy. I know I probably have. I feel like I have it, especially when I lived in Sedona. Um, I went to um, a group that uh, Melinda Leslie was running um, for people had, who had been abducted. And I felt like somebody in that group morphed into a, a uh, reptilian being and then kind of morphed back and I was like did I really see that you know so it's like a lot of times I'll question things I'm seeing um so I feel like I probably have run into a lot of different aliens and just didn't question it or just didn't have time to think was that real or not and then so it's kind of like memories. I feel some memories get pulled from me. So it's a very vague, it's a very vague, yes, I'm pretty sure I have. Um, and that's all I can say. I mean, as, as memories continue to come back to me, I'll probably have some more solid notice of that or memories of that mm -hmm. um yeah. makes sense oh <laughs> yeah i'm just trying that's what's so um with the challenges here it's like um some of these things are are phenomenal and you don't know where to you know stick them in your 
life experience, but I know other people reading and researching has led me to other people that had similar experiences. What do you think are some of the challenges that you face in your life due to your abductions? I would say um, very similar to a lot of people. The fact that our government has decided to hide things or suppress the truth. Um, this has caused a lot of people a lot of frustration because if somebody wants help with their, their abduction experiences or my lab, remember the government has abducted people too. Um, they've, a lot of times when uh, the greys would abduct someone for whatever reason they would do that, then the government would come back and abduct that person to find out you know, sort of to, to um, scan that person and figure out certain things that they wanted to know. Um, so um, a great person to talk about my labs and all the abductions is Melinda Leslie. She's done a lot of research. Um, so the challenge would be in getting counseling or getting help because um, a lot of these people would go to people um, like John Mack, who was a psychiatrist um, who was killed. He was he was trained at Yale, or I think it was Yale. Oh, I wasn't prepared to talk about all these people. I That's need some okay. notes or something. That's but right. anyway, he would he was saying that you know he believed that these people had gone through the trauma traumatic things that they had. And, um, but how to counsel people if, you know, our government just needed, if they're going to allow this, then they needed to come forward, step up to the plate, and they didn't do it. And I think that's, it's very frustrating and it's really very unfair. Now, you've so, written about your experiences in essays and blogs. Mm -hmm. Do you have a book about them as well? Um, not yet. Not yet. I'm still researching. I'm still putting things together. Where can people find these? On your website? Well, all things are linked up on my website. I have a blog and my contact information on my website. So I'll give you that. It's um, angelbellsguidance.com. So it's A-N-G-E-L. S, oh no, <laughs> sorry, it's, I can't think right now, um, let me write, write it, okay, A-N-G-E-L-B-E-L-L-S-G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E.com, and everything's there, all my, all my various projects, blogs, essays can be found there. You have a book out. What is it called and what, is, what do you write about? You know, that one's out of print. Um, I need to redo it. It's called Angel Bell. No, sorry, not that one. I've got two or three in progress. The one that's published right now is called um, Jason's Sunflowers. And my, I had a son that accidentally died at age 27. But what's interesting, you know, a lot of people have had 
death and grief in their lives. But what's interesting about this book is he continued, there was so much phenomena over the years connected with Jason. He kept bringing things to me, like he would, like on Mother's Day, I would find like a Mother's Day card with his handwriting in my bed, <laughs> you know, be sitting there on my pillow. And um, we had an urn of ashes that he kept moving around. I mean, he kept us smiling. I mean, you know, grief is not fun and, and losing someone is horrible, but um, some of the things that he kept alive for us made it bearable, you know? So it's about our experiences with his death and his phenomena. Um, I, I think I found it on Amazon one day for $19. So there, sometimes there's used copies that pop up, but I'd like to rewrite it and take ownership. The problem with, um, if somebody else publishes your book, you may have no control over certain things like how it's priced and, you know, all that. So the next one will be something homespun, home printed. Do you have a YouTube channel or are you on any other social media? Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on um, Twitter. Um, I just created a YouTube channel and there's just one little video on there. I had, I'm just learning, I'm, you know, for some reason, unlike you, Jeff, I just, I'm barely scratching the surface of how the technology, <laughs> like I, I have a camera. Um, I have some things already. I'm just learning more about it. And I haven't been very brave yet, but I want to I want to do some live events and things like that. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Yes, of course. Yes, I am. And angelbellsguidance.com has my email and phone number right. on the page. So that's good. Well, before we finish up, can you give us one last positive message? I have found out through my research that human beings are galactic royalty. We come from an ancient race called Lyrians. And we've been adapted and, you know, some gene splicing has gone on, but we still maintain our Lyrian roots. And, and so being human, we possess a lot of gifts and talents that we don't even know about. So I'm looking forward to the future as disclosure happens so that we can develop into our full potential. And I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that too. Nancy, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. Oh, thank you so much. And God bless everybody. Happy holidays, by the way. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.